You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Hello, Ethan. Hello. How are you today? I'm feeling pretty good, really. Yeah? How how are you doing in this post-Snyder Cut world? I'm doing well. I have not seen. I know it. It is a, it's a yet. huge commitment. It's four hours. It is four hours. That is longer. Yeah. Maybe not longer than, but maybe as long as Gettysburg. The real thing. Gettysburg. Or... <laughs> 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 uh, the real Civil War battle. <laughs> no, the movie starring Martin Sheen oh. and somebody else. I can't think of. Is that divided into segments like miniseries episodes or is that uh, all the way through? Uh, all the way through. It's like, it's a movie. So this is all the way through as well, but it, it does have title cards. So oh. it, it's conceivable to treat it as like a miniseries. Like um, Tarantino's Hateful Eight extended yeah. cut on Netflix, mm-hmm. is they have that as multi-part. So you could, if you so chose, sit down with the Snyder Cut, watch a segment of it, and then stop at the title card of the oh, next yeah. segment if you wanted to take for a break. Sure, for sure. Wow. Easily. How about that? It is weird how much of a different movie it is, though. It's wild. Yeah, I I do want to see it for that reason. It's worth it, though. I actually super enjoyed it, and I I didn't really think I would enjoy it that much. We are talking uh, perhaps a more known comparison would be like the extended cut of one of the Lord of the Rings films. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, If you can can watch that. And, do this. and I mean, if you enjoy it already, then you're going to enjoy those little extras. Yeah. Funny thing, though, because I watched it and then I was like, OK, time to finally sit down and watch all of the other DC films that I've just never watched. I never watched Birds of Prey. I never watched uh. Superman. Like the 20, what is it, 16, 2017? Our many years ago movie, Superman. Oh, no, it's called Man of Steel is what it's called. Yeah, Man of Steel. Also directed by Zack Snyder. I never saw this film because I'm like, who likes Superman? No one. I realize many, they have, there's a whole market, there's comic books, there's t-shirts. Apparently somebody does somebody like Superman. Likes Superman. I don't know why, except until now, because that movie was so much better than I thought it would be. Wow. I was really, I mean, Russell Crowe yeah. is in it. Michael Shannon is the villain. I did not know that. Yes. Michael Shannon plays the villain. I love him. He's so good. I love him mad. When he is angry in scenes, he delivers like no one else. And then Henry Cavill is just, I'll watch him literally in any, anything. <laughs> I like him very much. So him as Superman, I was like, I think I like Superman now. But here's the thing, right? <laughs> Have you seen Man of Steel? I have not, no. Okay, so here's my one-line pitch without actually, you know, I'm, I don't want to give away important plot details to this very old movie that everyone else has seen. <laughs> except <laughs> us, apparently. It's not so much a superhero film as it is a sci-fi alien film. Really? Really. In fact, a lot of the design of like Krypton stuff is going to make you think enormously of the actual alien franchise in its design language. Wow! It's very strange how much of an alien movie this is in general, like a sci-fi movie. I'm like, dude, I'll, I'll watch more of this. That's crazy. Make another one, Zach. I will have to watch it now because yeah. I had no interest in ever watching I know. it in the history of my life. <laughs> Past and future. Yeah, it was good. I, I couldn't believe it. Well, how about that? <laughs> Golly. Yeah, it's Zach's, been a weird week for me. Zack Snyder is building a kingdom. Yeah, apparently so. Or he was trying to. He and then was DC was like... The fans were like, apparently they're ready for it. They that, are. that panned out. So, yeah, more power to him. I guess, well, I guess DC had to make the decision to say, we'll let this cut be released into the world, which implicitly could acknowledge that 
they failed. Yeah, like we didn't do such a good job. Yeah. When we were like, ah, let's make it like this instead. Yeah, that's, you don't see a lot of companies making that move. No. In fact, the only time that's happened in recent memories when the studio redesigned Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> Freaky. It was ghastly. Beady-eyed, yeah. weird Sonic. Human, human teethed. Ugh. It was very gross looking. Somehow gross looking. I know it wasn't meant to be, but it was. It was disturbing. It was the uncanny I'm... valley of blue hedgehogs. <laughs> like something you see in like a creepypasta, you know, like in a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. It's a is... nightmare above my bed. <laughs> it's nightmare sauna. Oh my gosh. What well, a weird world, man. Yeah, it is a weird world. And, mm. uh, you know, that's why we really need to pray. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, a sledgehammer of subtlety today. <laughs> it's funny because even the image is not. <laughs> oh well, yeah. So now that we have bashed everyone over the head with that sledgehammer of transition of subtlety, as you said, we are today moving on to the next petition, the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, which for our time together. Today is Thy Kingdom Come. That's the next one. And depending on who you read, you might actually have expected me to say, Thy Kingdom Come, Thy Will Be Done, mm. on earth as it is in heaven. How did because, you know I would think that? Well, that's <laughs> of course. Because lot, some people treat it as one big old petition boy, you well, know? until this moment, I certainly was. <laughs> I certainly was. <laughs> uh, but I think it's actually beneficial following the lines of theologians like Thomas Watson, to take Thy Kingdom Come as its own unique petition. Okay. So that's what we're going to do. All right. We're going to follow that line. Okay. Here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. Woo! Here we go. That was me making us sound like we were running. I pumped my arms even. I've no never, one can see that. I've never I know. That's first of all. I know. <laughs> I've never made us sound like that while running. Has any? No. I don't think anyone has. We're just oh. breathing hard and praying, please, praying God, let this, let this be over. Thy kingdom come. <laughs> I don't have to do this. So when we ask for God's kingdom to come, I suppose the natural question is, what are we asking for exactly? Mm. Like, mm. what is that? I, don't, I think this might seem straightforward enough, and I suppose that in its own way it is, but it is also a much deeper and richer request than... I think we would often give it credit for if we were just saying this prayer. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're just rattling it off in our minds. So if we were to break it down, I would say, and speaking of saying, <laughs> speaking of Thomas Watson, I owe him a debt of gratitude for making this observation because what I'm about to say owes heavily to him Okay. and some of his work on this. When we're asking for God's kingdom to come, we're asking for a twofold kingdom. Mm. So we are asking first for the kingdom of grace to be established in our hearts. And second, we are asking for the kingdom of glory to hasten in its coming. And I think when most of us say this part of the prayer, we're thinking primarily of the kingdom of glory. Mm -hmm. So we're thinking of when God's reign is completely established, say, on the earth and sin is destroyed, that kind of thing, yeah. where God's perfect reign is fully realized. But none of us will make it into the kingdom of glory without first becoming citizens of the kingdom of grace. So we're also asking for that. So what do we mean by the kingdom of grace and the kingdom of glory? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was not expecting this much information to come from three words. This is... <laughs> Are any of us ever read that? <laughs> I doubt it. Well, first of all, let's talk about the kingdom of grace. You can think of the kingdom of grace as God's rule and reign in our hearts. So that is to say, when we ask God's kingdom of grace to come, we're asking that God's desires become our desires. We're asking that his wishes become our wishes. We're basically asking that the Lord would make his throne upon our hearts 
and transform us from the inside out, first and foremost. So I think this is what Paul is referring to in Colossians 1, 13-14, where he says, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Mm, so... Where do we get, like, the license for this? Or, I guess, Thomas Watson, you said? Yes. Um, Where does he get the nerve? <laughs> well, like, for this kind of interpretation, because, I mean, at least yeah. from my perspective, I, well, I like it, first of all. I, yeah. I want to clarify, this is not my poking holes for the sake <laughs> That's of it. it. <laughs> come on now. But I feel like I could have read this a thousand times. I never would have come to this understanding of it. Sure, yeah. Like, that the kingdom be established in our hearts. I may have I, I may have spontaneously actually prayed it that way or right. ad-libbed that, but I don't think I would have come to that naturally or realized it was already saying something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I think this is an example of where we bring the rest of scripture to bear on the content of the prayer. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is you get Paul alluding to this, say, in like 1 Corinthians 15. So he's been talking about all throughout this letter about how Christ should be reigning in the hearts of the church at Corinth, right? Mm -hmm. And and because he's reigning and we'll call it, you know, following Thomas Watson, we'll call it this kingdom of grace exhibited in the church, the people should be living differently. And the problem is they're not living like citizens of that kingdom, right? right? They're being debaucherous. I saw actually, someone sent me a meme yesterday. They said, there are two kinds of Pauline epistles. One, we are heirs of a glorious kingdom through unfathomable grace. Mm -hmm. That's Pauline epistle one. Pauline epistle two. I am asking as a personal favor that for five minutes, you sick freaks act like normal people. (laughs) (laughs) So Paul, you know, first Corinthians is saying, hey, listen, you're citizens of this new kingdom. You need to be living this way, right? Like act like normal people for five minutes. Like stop sleeping with your stepmom, you know, Um, all this stuff. And then he gets into first Corinthians 15 and he says, Christ must reign. So he is reigning right now. Until he destroys every enemy and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Then he hands the kingdom over to his father that God may be on all. I'm paraphrasing and summarizing that a little bit. And so you get this distinction of two kingdoms even there in that passage of 1 Corinthians. One has already come, the kingdom of grace in the heart. And he's saying, live that way. Live like you're citizens of this kingdom. Something that also shows up in Philippians. Live as citizens of this kingdom, even though it's not fully realized yet. And then the, the full realization of that kingdom will come when Christ has destroyed every enemy and gives the kingdom back to his father. So you kind of get this, theologians call it the already not yet of the kingdom. Okay. And that's where the twofold kingdom idea kind of comes from. So you see that throughout scripture. Paul says, you are citizens of this kingdom. Colossians there, you have been transferred into this kingdom. Yeah. Meanwhile, all around you, it's like, well, it doesn't look like it. You know what I mean? Mm, Right. So that's where it's like, before it's a kingdom of glory, it's a kingdom of grace in your heart. So that's kind of where we harmonize all the scripture together and we see that, oh yeah, we're kind of asking for both here. So yeah, it's not even a matter of asking for one over the other. It's kind of like asking for both, you know, it's a yes and kind of a situation. Okay. So does that make sense? It does. So what this also means is uh, that while we live in this present age, as we've been alluding to, we are living as what the scriptures would call sojourners and exiles or pilgrims. I think that's my favorite word for it, pilgrims, because you asked what my favorite word for it was, (laughs) pilgrims, because everything's about me. Um, But- we, we do dwell in this world, but we do not live like citizens of the domain of darkness anymore. So we, again, as we've been talking about, follow the law and rule of the heavenly kingdom, even though it is not currently the law and rule of the earthly kingdom. So we say what God says about sin and holiness, and to paraphrase Watson, uh, we hate sin, not only because it sends people to hell, but we hate sin as if it was hell itself 
because of its contrariness to God himself. So in short, our lives look different from those around us, and we ought not be surprised, and I say this to myself really as much as anybody else, we ought not be surprised if and when we're spurned and reviled because of that. Like, <laughs> that sure. that is part of the calling card. I mean, the apostles over and over again, and Jesus, yeah. went to great pains to say, the world will not like you. Yeah. So don't freak out about that. <laughs> You know you, what I mean? If you miss that, if you forget that, it's kind of on you. Yeah, exactly. I think, like, also, there's no call for surprise when you see that the rest of the world hasn't suddenly adopted your spiritual reality. Right. Man, surprise is like, it has no place here. Yeah, this yeah. Not, this should not come as a shock. And funny enough, mentioning 1 Corinthians, Paul mentions there when he's talking to um, the uh, austere gentleman who is having his father's wife. Um, he says, I wrote to you not to associate with those who are sexually immoral, not at all meaning not to associate with those in the world, for then you would have to go out of the world. I meant in regards to those who call themselves Christians. Oh. He says that specifically. He says, if someone calls themselves a Christian, like this guy, and he's doing this thing that not even the Gentiles do, um, <laughs> right. like he needs to be told like that's wrong and, you know, you need to repent basically, right? Yeah. But he says that doesn't mean that we hold the the pagan world to the same standard. Mm. Like you can't like, of course you go out and we preach part of the gospel is, hey, we're all guilty of sin. We need to repent, believe the gospel and come to faith in Jesus. He'll forgive us. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the way we handle and treat people outside the kingdom of grace is different than those who claim to be in the kingdom of grace. Yeah, for sure. Um, it actually makes me think of uh, something we talked about recently when they we were talking about like like the marketplace on the Sabbath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where there were different standards of like, oh, you should know better. And also these people from outside of our walls. Right. Not respecting. Mm-hmm. There, there was like, I mean, I'm not going to like hash it out now. There's another right. podcast about it. You can listen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but there was kind of language and attitude that differed in how it applied to these people. Right. Based on where they were from, yeah. based on the traditions they held. So Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, because you had the guys who was like, "This will be a little harsher on you because you should know better, and you're part of this nation." Exactly. And other guys yeah. like, "Just like, don't do that." And like, please, you know, and if you do keep, <laughs> if you keep doing it, like, we'll have to do something about it. But yeah. So that's the kingdom of grace. And for those who have already become citizens of this kingdom of grace, when we ask for the kingdom to come, we are also asking that the kingdom of grace might be further established within us and around us. So we're asking, in other words, that we might continue to grow in grace, as the apostle Peter might say it. And we are always to be asking God. To drive back the remnants of Satan's kingdom that still hide in the corners of our hearts. Because I think that's the other reality is again, we've talked about this multiple times. You don't become perfect overnight, you know, just because you become this the citizen of this kingdom. I know now the table manners of the kingdom of grace. Mm, like yeah. you have to learn a lot. Head knowledge changes everything. Yes, said no one ever. <laughs> so we're also asking though that many more people might be brought into this kingdom when we're asking the kingdom to come too. Yeah, actually, I like this whole other side to this that I have not really not been exposed to before this Mm -hmm. whole like you know as we are but i feel like the typical interpretation of this piece of the prayer specifically the part we're getting to yeah it's also the part i'm most i think maybe i would say apprehensive about Mm. because of like the kenneth copelands of the world (laughs) um because we can stand in our street corners and proclaim the world's only getting worse not necessarily my point of view but the attitude always seems to be like lord just put an end to it Ooh, all these all these sinners uh (laughs) so much worse than me i've got it all figured out and my understanding is flawless and enlightened yes i have attained to the perfection of knowledge exactly and it's it's a very uh attractive stance from a pharisaical point of view Mm -hmm. yeah but you know perhaps that's not the move um yeah and like you said there are corners of all of our hearts that we've excused 
or forgotten or, or chosen to forget. Mm-hmm. And even things we're ignorant of, I think yeah. it's probably pretty useful to ask the Lord to make that known to us and, and to better still like overrule it in our hearts where it first takes root yeah. in the kingdom of now in which we live before yeah. he comes to make all things perfect. Yes, yes. So I really like that angle of the petition is yeah. to like in the here and now where I am, Yeah, make your kingdom known, make that real in my heart. Yeah, and I think it makes life as it is more sacred, I think. You know, it's a, uh, everything is sacred in its own way. I guess we don't have time to get into a huge, you know, discussion on that whole issue. That's another podcast, but there is this, you know, like, no, the kingdom of God is reigning in a sense right now. Mm. And God is reigning in me, and I want him to reign more in me. I want him to continue to drive out those wrong desires and that remnant of the domain of darkness that's within me. And that can happen right now. You know, it can happen while you're washing the dishes or, you know, you're at work, you're driving, you know. So, yeah, I find that very encouraging, too. So that's the kingdom of grace. And I do think, again, that's probably one of the least explored aspects of the kingdom, at least in relation to the Lord's Prayer. I think we, sure. we might talk For about sure. this in other contexts, but when we're talking about this prayer, I don't think it gets talked about a lot. But we are also asking for the kingdom of glory to come, which mm-hmm. is perhaps the more obvious part of yeah. the petition, as we've talked about. And I don't think it needs as much elaboration because we're basically just asking, in accordance with Christ's commands, we're asking that he would return soon to establish his kingdom within the new heavens and the new earth. Like what you said, make everything perfect, make all things new, to utterly remove all sin, purge all evil, and destroy our final enemy, death. The kingdom of glory is paradise regained and more. It is not, as we've discussed before, many, 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 many times, an ethereal and ghostly heaven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is the whole creation made new and, uh, you know, we'll run with the horses. We'll see God face to face. Yeah. Someone brought up an interesting point to me recently. I was reading, been reading in Deuteronomy for my morning readings. And there's this bit where he says, you will go in, speaking to the Israelites, and you will possess these cities that you've not built and vineyards you've not planted and you will enjoy their fruit, Right. And I can't remember who it was or where I got this idea from, but that like that will be a possibility for Christians in the new heavens and the new earth. In other words, like all this industry and all this amazing stuff that's been built, mm-hmm. we'll inherit that. We will be inheritors of all the good things that have been built in the world in a perfected and purified way. Oh. You know what I mean? So we, we've talked about and alluded to this, the possibility before, like, oh, like think about like if someone made this amazing work of art that's going yeah. to survive mm-hmm. into the new heavens and the new earth. Like, right. well, what if a bunch of this stuff survives into the new heavens and the new earth and we get to inherit that? It's like one of Christ's gifts to us, which I think feels less pronounced to us as Americans because we already have so much anyway. But <laughs> like, if you think about the Christians in like Africa or persecuted Asia yeah. or in parts of Russia and Eastern Europe, South America too, really basically anywhere other than the West, <laughs> they have nothing, yeah. many of them, like nothing. Very true. And they, they have had much stolen from them, plundered from them. And the thought that like, well, no, one day you'll get to inherit all of this still. Like, you'll get to enjoy it in a far greater and grander way. I think that's uh, that's what would give people the kind of hope that the author of Hebrews talked about when he said, you accepted the plundering of your property with joy because you knew you had a better possession mm-hmm. and an abiding one in the heavenly city. Oh, wow. So, I don't know. I just think that's neat. And yeah, uh, yeah. so a final note is in neither of these kingdoms are we the primary actors in setting it up, right? Ah, God is the one. God is the one who makes (laughs) this kingdom come, which is precisely why we pray and petition him Mm. that kingdom come. We have to ask him to do it because we are not the ones who get to make that happen as much as we would like to try. So, yeah. So there you have it. That is the... uh, 
petition to that kingdom come. Yeah, more to it than I thought. Yeah, always fun to draw that out, you know. But more to appreciate than I thought. Yes, so, so rich, so good. Well, we hope that uh, you too were enriched and helped by this discussion. And if you were and you want to leave us an honest five-star review, that'd be swell, you know, that'd be great. We'd appreciate that. Share it with your friends. And if you have any questions on this or any other topic, as always, you can email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net or you can interact with us on social media. Thank you as always for listening and we'll catch you next time. Mm -hmm.